Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to another episode of Play It Forward as for the first time we leave behind the 616 universe formerly known as the Damn You and slip into the all new 1610 universe of Bastards Universe also known as the You Bastard It's a place where films are bastards, bastards are films and Spike Lee is a grown up and not a huge purple fucking baby My name is Noel Mellor, your host for the show and as always... When we come to play it forward, I am joined by a bastard named Mark. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And a bastard named Ian. Say hello to the nasty folks, Ian. Bonsoir. Je m'appelle Ian. Very, very good. So, if you don't know what Play It Forward is all about, once in a while I give these two a night off hosting duties. We all gift each other a movie that we think the other person will enjoy for some reason furnishing their iTunes collection with a shiny new carbuncle of some sort in the process. This time around, I have gifted Ian, Ian has gifted Mark, and Mark has gifted me. So one by one, the giver will introduce the film and their reasons for gifting it before the receiver offers his thoughts on it. Uh, Before we crack on, is there anything that's happened in the world of film which we must talk about? Um, Dark Phoenix trailer? Like, fucking... They really, really, really want tongues wagging. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it basically because none of none, nothing of what happens in this film is going to have ramifications in any other comic book film, which is quite a unique place. So yeah. they they almost have to get people interested by the big death reveal in the trailer. So is that? I mean, was it as clear cut as that? Is that what they're saying that that she kills Jennifer Lawrence off? She'll yes. be Is gone that... by the end of the first act. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like uh, she, Jennifer Lawrence, famously does, does not, not like the makeup. Um, yeah. And with Apocalypse, I think she wasn't in the makeup all that much, if I remember correctly. No, she wasn't in it a lot now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they've just gone right. You're basically going to be all blue mystique all the time, but you're only going to be on set for two weeks. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll yeah. deal with it. Yeah, and take money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's an extra million dollars. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Overall, the trailer is. I mean, I was always going to watch this just because it's an X Men movie. I, if it didn't exist, I'd be fine with that. Like, if they just took it away tomorrow and said, oh, actually, we're not going to release it, I'd be fine with that. Same goes for the New Mutants, uh, which still could happen. Um, but I think probably I'm, you know, a percentage more interesting, but <coughs> excuse me, a percentage more interested based on this trailer. It's It's a little bit moody. It's a little bit less silly and CG looking than the... Last one, I'm sure there will be plenty of ridiculous fire CG towards the end of it and, uh, and and buildings collapsing and stuff like that. But what we got in this trailer was more drama than it was special effects for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? It, it might be... I, I don't expect it to be anything more than just, oh, that was all right, you know, because that's what all of these films have been. I've enjoyed them all, but, you know... I don't think have a rewatch. I think I rewatched First Class, but I've not rewatched either of the other ones. So yeah, it's fine. 
Yeah, yeah I, I was kind of the same with it. It's uh, it's better than the other trailers that have come out, and it's made me go. It's made me go a little bit more like, oh, actually, yeah, fair enough. I'm 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 not like you say. If it didn't come out, if it didn't exist, I, I really wouldn't care. But it, it has made me go. Do you know what? I could quite easily go and watch that. Yeah. It will give an excuse to rewatch X Men Apocalypse, which I did. I am somewhat up for giving that another go. It kind of feels like if that fucker is two ninety nine around the time that Dark Phoenix comes out, it's in four K and Atmos on iTunes. I'll 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 have that. I'll give that a poke. Yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm the same as that. If, if that crops up for anything, anything three ninety nine or below, uh, I'll I'll go. Do you know what? Fuck it. Or if it crops up on any kind of streaming service, I'll watch it before that. Certainly, just to give it another go. I'd be interested to hear what you think of it on a rewatch because I, I will rewatch it. But um, if I recall being, I, I, I did do it on here. Um, yeah. I recall. I recall being like kind of into it and everybody else hating it. Uh, and I think my reasons for liking it was that it felt like, as I, as I recall, I think I said something along the lines of it feels like a comic book movie that was made in the nineties, but with a modern day budget, uh, it, it had a sort of, it had a sniff of the sort of straight to video, uh, sci-fi sort of about it. And it had a hint of the sort of Saturday, Saturday morning cartoon about it as well. So I think on that level, it works. It's, you know, it feels like a, almost feels like an adaptation of the old cartoon, um, which maybe that's what they were going for. So that, that was my experience of it then. So um, I'd be interested to see if it holds up. And if, if viewed through a, a sort of less expectant lens, if people are sort of kinder to it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anything else? Excuse me. Don't think so. No, nobody's died or anything. Nobody's uh, had a tantrum or about not winning an award, or about had a tantrum about about winning an award. No, nothing like that. (laughs) No. Okay, we'll move on then. You mean Spiky Spike getting all Spiky? Well, I mean, fucking grow up, man! It's just ridiculous. He, He he doesn't. The thing is. I think it, it, I was very, very glad for Spike Lee to win an Academy yeah. Award because he's deserved one for a vast number of years, and he just, I thought he deserved one for for that film. And it's mm. really cool that he's won it, and his it, it clearly meant a lot to him to win it, which is really cool. It was also really cool that basically they got Samuel L. Jackson to give him the award, so it's his mate giving him the award, and that kind of felt really nice. Uh, I thought it was a little bit. That, that, that he won it with other people and then just gave them no fucking time to actually sort of say thank you or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I think they were, they were, they seemed pretty fucking cool with it and it's like that. But then his reaction to everything else with the green book thing and stuff like that, it's kind of like, do you want to know, Spike, why this is your first Academy Award in 30 years? Mm-hmm. That, that is the reason why <laughs> for that. And he—he's he, in his sixties, and he, he looked mental. <laughs> mm. 
See, that's the thing. I don't begrudge him the award at all. Out of I don't particularly care who wins the awards, generally speaking. But out of the films that were in that category, if it's not going to a star is born, I probably would have picked Black Klansman of the films that I've seen. Um, so I, you know, and, and he is a director who has done much better work in the past. I think, and and therefore, you know, it's it was his time, and I, and I get all that, and that's fine, and you should take it away. And if he was to use the opportunity to have a little bit of a pop at the academy, a little bit of a sly dig, or a little bit of a um, you know a, a, a cheeky uh, a cheeky rant, but it was it just came across as a bit. Uh, it came across like a child, and it's just a bit like, fucking, are you that serious about all this? Really? Do you care that much? I don't know. It yeah, was. It's fair. It, uh, what I will say, and I do cover this on, on Oscar Bation, is um, the having no host at the Oscars uh, every single year. It worked then. It worked then, did it? Yeah. yeah it, the, the pacing of it was was awesome. Um, you got it, it. Basically, how how the Oscars went was award award. Little um, like a bit sort of celebrating blah 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 award break mm. award award performance break award award performance break and it just went like that. There was no. It felt a little bit more. It, it felt a little bit more proper, in the sense that it felt more like an award ceremony rather than like a, a big performance a show. show. And so that it actually it made the actual performances feel a little bit more because they weren't sandwiched in between Ellen taking a selfie or uh, them yeah. going to a wrinkling time at the studio next to it and stuff like that. It, it was and it started at one and it was done by 20 past four. Cool. So it was it, it, never have a fucking other host. It was just having and but they, what I will say is the, the randomness of the people who uh, went through the the best picture ones did the, the introduction of the best picture nominees was just a bit weird because you're expecting like Barbara Streisand would come out and do a Star Is Born nope Black Lantern yeah and uh, it was just it was a bit odd like that but yeah it was it was it was a good ceremony I I enjoyed it to be honest. Fair enough. Like I say, I I, uh, I just went online the next day and googled Spider Man Oscar and Star Is Born Oscar, and after I'd received the information that I required about those two films, I just sort of fucking ignored the rest. Um, yeah. So I mean that that was the main thing for me was that, I, like I say, I'm not that bothered who wins, but the the fact that. Spider-Man, uh, sorry, Spider-Verse was in there. It deserve that film deserves an award for just fucking like ripping up the rule book a little bit and doing something new. And and the fact that it was recognised and they didn't just default to the uh, to the obvious option in that category. It got uh, a huge ovation as well. Did it? That's it got a massive ovation um, from it when even when they were reading out the nominations, the biggest clap was for in the yeah. spider-verse and then the the clap for it when it won was was massive it, it, it seemed to really what is it uh like one of the biggest it was it was the 
the biggest clutch of the night went to that. Um, Spike Lee winning there. Um, and the post shallow clap was massive. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the whole sort of ceremony was was very was very good. Uh, the Chris, have you ever have you ever done excavation with this now? I don't think you have, have you? I did it one year, I think. Uh, I think I did it. Yeah, was it the yeah. first year? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I've done it last couple. You know that the, they have Sky essentially do it where they have um, during the the, big, the bigger breaks they cut back to Alex Zane and he's usually got and he's always got Boyd Hill and, and a couple of other people with him. Yeah, I think it was Claudia Winkleman the year I. Uh, yeah. oh, no, 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 that wasn't Sky. That was. Was it? Or was it? it Can't it remember. Was, but yeah, it yeah. was. It was a really random selection of people that was with him. There was Alex Zane and Boyd Hilton, and then there was some comedian slash writer woman who had a massive head, who I can't even remember her name now, and is of no no at all. Some no mark British TV actor who thought he was really funny. Uh, and wasn't, but w- was being like really like sarcastically, like taking the piss out of everything, and it just made him look like a knobhead. Um, and weirdly, out of all of them, the one who seemed to know a shit more was the um, E's style correspondent for the UK, and she seemed to actually have seen some of the films. And then uh, Natalie, um, what's her name from the Fast and Furious movies? Oh shit! The the um, that, Natalie, Natalie Manuel. Yeah, Natalie Manuel. Yeah, uh, she was on it, and she was clearly really loves movies, but she only came on about halfway fucking through, and it was literally like they went, like the producer went, right, she's at this party that has been hosted where we are. Can we just fucking get her on here? Just give her like, give her a fifty quid <laughs> or anything, just to just because these people are embarrassing, like. You could see the guy, Alex, Alex Zane, was getting pissed off with him. Because before they went on, it was, they were saying, oh, what are you looking forward to? Remember, all the awards are presented and what is it? And he went, and this guy was like, oh, do you know what I'm really looking forward to? And Alex Zane was going, oh, what? He went, I'm really looking forward to who wins best sound editor. Because, you know, everybody wants to know who was the best sound editor this year. And I'm really looking forward to that award. And it's like, like saying, sort of, sort of looking good. Are you being serious? And it was like from then on, Alex Zane was just being really, really shitty to him throughout the entire thing. It was a really odd, odd show. Oh, well, good by the sounds of it. Did you not watch it then, Ian? No, mate. I um, I, I was not well on Sunday night. Um, right. I need, I needed sleep, so I. I had to. I, I unfortunately had to fuck it off. But I'm, right. look, I'm looking forward to listening back to those two, though. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's some fun bits. I think. I think. Nice. So what are you? What are we looking at there? Are we looking at a full four-hour show, or is it oh, oh. It's three and a half hours? Nice. <laughs> it's, okay. bag on, it's bag on three and a half hours. Excellent. And I, I, th- I think the only point uh, where there's there's all, I, 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 bit of silence is during when um, Shallow's playing, which is peppered with Becky going, are you genuinely crying? <laughs> <laughs> Me going, you're crying. <coughs> oh, fucking hell you are. <laughs> Fab. I haven't even seen that performance, actually. I, should, it, I, it, I assume, it, I assume it, that's really Googleable good. now. 
It's yeah. really good. But then it's like with ev- everyone, including like the panel going, uh, uh, then on Sky going, oh, there's something going on there. There's clearly something going on. Oh, and for then, fuck's sake. And, and then they were, and you could tell, again, Alex Zane was really uncomfortable with that. And then Gagara's come out on Jimmy Kimmel and gone, yeah, so we were acting. Yeah. It, that's yeah. kind of what we do. We're actors, and if you've fallen for it, well, then we were just really good at it. <laughs> and also, everyone knows that Bradley Cooper is gay. So on with the show. Oh um, shit! He's got, hasn't he got a kid <laughs> with his partner? Well, yeah, yes, so did Michael Barrymore. You know, it's it's all a cover up. Right. Um, okay, moving on very quickly. <laughs> I did. Uh, hi, Bradley, if you're listening. Um, okay, so of course he is. Um, so yes, to start off the show, then um, we are going to start with. Hang on, I had it here, um, Ian. So, Ian, you've gifted Mark. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is and why? Yeah, why not? So, I gifted Mark. The fantastic Sorrentino film, The Great Beauty. Um, A film which I am absolutely fucking fascinated to see what Mark made of it. Um, Winner of Best Foreign Language Film in 2015 or 16. Um, It's... The story of Jep, played by uh, Tony Sibylla. That's the one. A uh, writer slash critic. Well, he wrote one book, and now he's essentially an art critic um, who learns. He starts to realise that his life of excess and partying is not spiritually fulfilling and that he is looking for the great beauty in life. Um, The film is somewhat episodic, but with this kind of like narrative, like running through it. Uh, And it contains many montages. Um, It is very, very, very art house, but I think that it's one of those films that kind of is about everything uh much like i i was talking about if beale street could talk actually uh though may not as heartfelt perhaps uh or at least not as emotionally raw mark how how was your 140 minutes or so with the great beauty i would say um 120 of it was delightful um and i would say maybe it's there's a certain like you say it it is quite episodic um and there is a a certain section of it that i i didn't get on with as well that i didn't feel i didn't feel a need for um but on an overall yeah i was i think it, it it's definitely one of those where it's if you're still interested and it's got you, there's a very certain point that I can pinpoint and go, if it gets you at that moment, 
then you're in for your then, then it's gonna keep you. If it doesn't get you in a specific moment, and I'll tell the moment in a second, like I, I think you actually might agree with me on this one. Um if it doesn't if that moment doesn't grab you and go, right, this is what you're in for, then I don't I, I think you're gonna be it, it's gonna have lost you already. And it's about eight minutes in. Because the film starts uh, essentially with a a party. It's quite outlandish kind of party but it's not an outlandish party that you're expecting where it's it, it, it's opulent it's um it's time opulent so it's opulent about, about now time so everybody's dancing and there's this great fucking there's art house stuff going on around and there's um all this stuff going on and then this big dance starts where both sides split off so you've got women on one side and men on the other side and they're doing this mimic dancing at each other to this essentially like dance track and then we've kind of been introduced to jeff and it is his 60th 60th birthday party Mm -hmm. and then he comes out breaks out from where everybody else is in the middle of it slow motion comes in and you get a slow motion kind of zoom up to him as he lights a cigarette and then does a little bit of a dance and if it doesn't if, if at that point i think you don't go okay this guy's cool as fuck then it'll lose you. And I very much did go, okay, that's pretty That's pretty cool, actually. I like that. And I was already liking the, the oddness of it all. And the... Yes. Um, it's... Do you know what? I, uh, that bit, uh, for the first, like, ten minutes and that bit, do you know what it reminded me of? And what made me, not remind me of, made me think. Um, have you seen Night of Cups, Ian? Uh, no. Right. Um, so Night of Cups has a similar sort of theme. Do you remember me saying about the, the party that was done and Nick Kroll was at the party and yeah. only realised what it was when he actually saw Night of Cups and his name was in the credits? Yeah. This feels like what uh, Malik was going for with Night of Cups. <laughs> okay. But right, Sorrentino yeah. nailed it. He, he, he got it right. And then uh, the... There's a great bit where it, it then it, it, you get a little bit of it of his life. Um, Do you get to this or me? Um, I got to shortly after the party where the guy the girl gets out of the car and tells him she convinces him to come back and pick her up, uh, and then uh, the main guy wakes up in bed and he has a conversation with the the woman that works for him. Yeah. Around that time, I just I, I was I was losing. I was losing interest. Just it was very beautiful. A lot of the shots were were gorgeous. Um, a lot of the camera work was fantastic. Um, but that whole party scene, I was just, I, I really maybe it was where I watched it. I was watching it on the train, and if I'm watching a film on the train, I want I want a story. Like I need I need narrative. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, like, it's, I cr- it's not conducive to short bursts. This no, film. exactly, exactly. No. So, so I was watching that, and it, uh, with, there was just a lack of narrative and a, a lack of point and direction at that point. And I got to, you know, I got to about twenty minutes in, and I think by that time I checked the time about three or four times, which isn't a great sign. Um, and then 
you know, I'm starting to little points were starting to irritate me about the artiness of it. Like, you know, a long shot of a dwarf and you're just like, all right, fine. It's an art film. You got to have a long shot of a dwarf uh, and stuff like that. So I sort of turned on it a little bit at that point and I just texted Ian. I was like, I can't do this, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, well, shortly yeah. after that, um, he goes to um, watch this, like this performance art piece um, oh, is that the yeah yeah? Is that the, the woman running at the wall? Yeah, this naked woman. Um, so good. Wraps like a, a veil around her head and runs smack into a wall. <laughs> um, and and that's fine. You watch it, and he he's kind of sat in this field watching this, and he claps. And then he he has to interview this performance artist, and he basically tells her that her art is shit, but it. <laughs> a wonderful way of every time she's because uh, she's saying about that she lives her life through vibrations and things like that and he's going what vibrations and she keeps saying I don't see why I have to tell you what vibrations they're just vibrations and he just starts saying so what you're saying is I'm just going to write down that you don't know what the vibrations are so it's not that I don't see why you're obsessing about the vibrations and he keeps saying because you brought up vibrations I'm not. I am not going to say how amazing your art is because you say it's about vibrations. If you can't explain what the vibrations are, and he basically just says to her face, she keeps saying, "I don't like this interview," and he keeps saying, "Well, then just tell me about the vibrations." And he is basically just saying to her, "You're shit," and I'm and not it, falling for your bullshit. So, and it's like he, he chews her out for um, speaking in and like to referring to herself in the third person <laughs> as well. Um, it's uh, so fucking good. Like, you get so on side with him that in that point. bit. But then, the, but that isn't even the best chewing out he does in the movie. So oh, yeah. yeah later yeah. on, um, <laughs> another one of these bourgeois um, soirees that he has, and they're all sat around in these big, like, outside in these big sofas, uh, and they're, they're just chatting about essentially bourgeois shite, which he has already said that he, wants to, he wanted to be the king of high society and uh, wanted to be a, a make-or-break people. And he's, he, that's what he's basically said to himself and to the audience. And so they're all sat around, and this, this woman that's there chews him out and basically calls, calls him, you know, that, that his, his previous book that he wrote bullshit and says that he's afraid of everything and that she's not afraid of anything and these are the reasons why, and essentially just bigs herself up and sells herself. And he he, he says, uh, you know, quite politely to her, says, oh, you know, I agree with you that mine's shite, but, you know, and if, if I wanted to, I could destroy all of your, what you just said, but I don't want to, and I don't want to embarrass you. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to agree with you and we'll move on. And then she starts saying, no, I'm a, I'm a big girl. I've got big girl bars. I think that is literally what she says as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, go on. Hit me with it. I can take it. And he again says, no, I don't want to. We're friends. And I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody. So she goes again at him. And then he very calmly dismantles her entire life and everything that she just said, and beyond in a brutal attack. But he does it all while sitting back and smoking. And this is in front of all of his friends and all of her friends. And he, it is 
no holds barred, just absolutely destroys her. But they they all accept it as well, though. Like because he did give her, he did give her a chance. He was and, like, and he doesn't look, just give her one chance; he gives her yeah. three chances, and then just says, "Okay, but you can't." And he literally says, "But you you won't be able to take it." And it is a brutal. What is it? And and she just gets up and just walks away. But you can see it's all been quite jovial. Everyone's kind of laughing. Then at that point, everybody just starts to shuts the fuck up. Shuts for up and starts to go, ooh, and it's like he's he's not the bastard. She's the arsehole for goading him into doing it because she should know what he's capable of. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic in the way that it's done. And then later on, she basically thanks him for it and still calls him an arsehole. It's the only bit I don't like is the the same episode. That is the end bit, which I felt lost it a little bit for me. The witch bit, sorry. You know, with the essentially the Mother Teresa. Um, oh, I fucking love that bit. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's with that. It kind of that's where it started to lose me a little bit in the sense of it. It didn't feel like it connected with the rest of it for me. Yeah, but I did. Like, every I, I other bit felt every other bit felt felt connected at least i just i i like the kind of like almost the kind of like the magical nature that 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 brings in um the because you know throughout the whole film there's no real spirituality about it it's all very hedonistic and like very kind of surface level um and i i think the, the the ending like with the birds and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I I like how kind of mysterious that is, and how between that and the like that exhibition he sees of the the guy who took the photo of himself every day. Yeah, um, I like how between those two things he does seem to kind of like find some sort of peace. Um, but he's still also kind of the same jet from start to finish. Like he has this kind of personal journey and, but yet he still accepts that he's kind of made the bed that he, and he's going to lie in it. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to have all this vacuousness and he likes the vacuousness, but he's also kind of found some peace as well. I, I like that it's not him just like renouncing all the hedonistic stuff, and it, it, it's a very Italian way of looking at things. It is. It, it, it literally is like like he 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 finally confronts the ridiculousness of it all and the futility of it all, and the uh, uh, basically outright comes out and says, "Do you know what? The reason why um, I've, I've never written a second book." isn't because I don't have the ideas or anything like that. It's just because I don't want to dedicate the time to it because I enjoy being, I I enjoy being me too much. I enjoy the notoriety and the celebrity that he's got within those circles of being a bit of a show off. He's, his intelligence and his ability to, um, to wind people up, I think. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. 
it, it, it's a and the thing is I'm looking at it and going holy shit there's a there's a, there's a near three hour director's cut yeah I want it <laughs> I, yeah I want it as well <laughs> yeah I, it just I I think the thing is it's it's art it is an art house film but it also doesn't forget to be entertaining um and yeah that's the thing it is fucking laugh out loud funny at points um but the the lead dude is incredible um sorry jordan just um uh, tweeted me sorry um and I mean, it looks great. It sounds good. Um, I mean, there's there's an aspect to it, like like eight and a half, I think, where there's an enjoyment just watching cool people be cool on screen. Yeah, there there is there is that, and it's. I think that the weird thing is, it. Or what I really enjoyed about it was, it it, it doesn't try and over Italian everything. If that makes sense, it's not. There's no stereotypes to it. There's no... It, it just... It is these very wealthy people um, just being very wealthy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I, I don't know. I think there's still things going on un, under the hood as well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad... I'm, I'm glad you were into it, man. Uh, that, that, that's cracking. Yeah, um, I, was, I was very into it. The thing is, what I, what I do like about this kind of... About, about what, what we do with, with this show is... That is a film that I would have wanted to watch, but I would never have watched because it's two mm. and a half hours long. And I would have gone, like, I, there, there's no point where I'd sit down and go, yes, I fancy watching a two and a half hour art house film about an old man having an end of life crisis. Fantastic. <laughs> and I did really enjoy it. And like I say, I am looking at it going, I think I could find time to watch the three hour director's cut of it. Oh, I'm, I'm 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 very disappointed in myself now because I, I I just clearly did not watch this in the right place. Uh, I, I I will. I mean, thankfully I bought it as well, so uh, it was one ninety nine on iTunes, which yeah. was fantastic. So if anybody's listening saying, to this and, and wants to give it a go, then. what I was saying though is, is the the whole film I think is worth sitting through, surely for the the, the dressing down of that woman. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's incredible. I mean, Seriously, sorry, go on. I was just going to say. I mean, like the fucking the the interview with the woman who's hitting her head against the wall <laughs> is it, just it, it. Like you'll you'll be on board at that moment. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and the line from because the the dwarf is the editor of the magazine that he worked the paper that he works for, and her. Uh, what are you what are you asking what, what are you gonna to do tonight? And she just goes, Well, I'm gonna do what all great editors do. I'm gonna have hot soup and a shag. <laughs> yeah, she's very matter of fact. She's got she's got some fucking great lines. Yeah. There's there's a lot of very good lines in this movie. And the oddity of that guy that he goes to see who is basically saying, I've got a daughter, you know. And he's like, All right, cool. She's over there. She's about to come on stage, and she's just a stripper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's I don't know. It's just like it, it's so fucking Italian. It's so Italian. Yeah, 
like it, 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 it but I, I don't know. I like I, I just I liked being in the world of it. Yeah, uh, it, it, was, it, it was even though I felt tired after. <laughs> yeah. When he, when he goes to that guy and says to him, uh, "What are you doing tonight?" And the guy relates this really boring thing about what they're going to do, and he's like, "You know," and that, that's the moment of realization from that thing. Yeah. When he goes to see the the the, the widow of the yeah. of, of his great beauty, and what are you doing? And he's there with his new partner. He said, "What are you doing tonight?" He said, "Oh, we'll, we'll probably have you know something to eat, a glass of wine, and watch television, and, and then go to bed." And then we'll get it tomorrow. And he's like, and he just sort of looks with this smile on his face and just says to them, when you're getting up tomorrow morning, that is when I'll be going to bed. And he, he, it, that's when he realizes, you know what? I like my lifestyle. I like the opulence. I like the ridiculousness of it all. I like the fact that mornings are a weird concept to me, which is a great line in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mornings, mornings, mornings are a weird world for me. I don't really understand them anymore because he gets up at like the middle of the afternoon all the time. So one thing that I did actually read the synopsis. I don't usually read a synopsis before I watch a film, but I did for this. And the so I was sort of wait. <coughs> Excuse me. I read a little bit of the synopsis, I should say, and I was sort of waiting for the bit to happen at the beginning where. That's another thing. The synopsis kind of read very like a ve- it read very art house. Um, so the idea that you know a man who sees the beauty of something is is overwhelmed and falls to the ground because his soul cannot conceive of such beauty and stuff. I'm like, oh God! So like, does that cut? So presumably that's the guy at the beginning with the camera. Does that come back into it? No. Or is that just an opening? Right. Okay. Uh, so I completely misunderstood what was happening in this one. Yeah. Okay. What I would say is, I think, I think it is more comedy than anything else. I'd go with that. If you have to, if you have to say, right, it, it, you can't classify it as a comedy drama or anything like that. You, you have to classify it as one. You have to put it into that. Um, I would say overall, it is a comedy more than anything else. And that's wonderful about it. He chewed out a fucking priest at one point, who is who he's basically been told is next in line for the for the um, oh, and he and he basically just is a complete dick to him at one point. But he does it in this weirdly fucking charming way, yeah. where he's built up so much respect that people just go, "Well, yeah, that's that's Jet." And we really like him still. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally said, and he does it because the the the, the priest has has essentially disrespected him at one point in the sense that he just he was asking him a question about spirituality and he just wanders off halfway through the question. So he basically calls him on it, and he's a prick to him, and it's wonderful. But it's kind of deserved. That's the thing. Oh, it's like, absolutely deserved. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a good time, it's this film. It's a fucking good time. Yeah, um, so uh, what I will say is I would definitely pay it forward. Fabulous. The right to, it, there's a caveat to it, though, to the right sort of person. <coughs> I wouldn't recommend it to any of the people that I work with, but what I would say is I would recommend that maybe Noel gives it a, a, another go. And I watched it, um, I watched it this morning, 
Uh, I, was on, I was on late at work, so I started watching it at half past seven this morning and watched it with uh, a, a pot of coffee and just had a great time with it. See, I was thinking it might have worked a bit better for me if I'd have watched it of an evening with a whiskey um, when everything is quiet and I can sort of focus on it a little bit and, and fall into it a little bit more. I'll next watch it. Yeah, yeah. Not on a train, on an iPhone. Um, yeah. On, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a half hour commute in four stages, as was my plan. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it, it will not lend itself to that, is what I will say. Apparently not. Well, score. That's a good. Uh, that's a good one to start off with. Then, so uh, I, put, I put out for a poll. Uh, oh right, nice. And it we came have polls. Definitely not shit. A hundred percent. Sweet. Excellent. So that's a hundred percent. Yeah. Did you put others on that as well? Did you put Geostorm on that as well? I did put Geostorm on that. Fabulous. <laughs> but it came up as a hundred percent. And how many votes? Uh, One, and it was Ian. <laughs> I think it was eight. Aye, aye. Fabulous. So, uh, so that is Ian gifting Mark, which I think we can agree is a roaring success. So we follow on naturally from there, from uh, Ian gifting Mark to Mark gifting me, I think. Yeah. Um, so... Mark, do you want to start out and tell me a little bit about what you picked and why? Uh, I picked uh, the film, the 2007, um, excuse me, uh, British-Australian um, psychological kind of thriller-style film, uh, Gone, uh, which I, I picked because it's a, it's a very little-seen movie, um, and I watched it on Sky um, at about two in the morning when I couldn't sleep one night. And was just flicking round, and it, and I just wanted to land on the next thing that was starting, <laughs> and this happened to be starting. I was like, "That'll do." And so I sat back and watched it. And was like, actually, do you know what? This is I'm I'm, I'm actually really quite enjoying this. Um, and I, it's from I think what, what was that film? There was the Joel Edgerton one that you you gifted. I think. Oh, wish we were wish you were here. Wish yeah, we were here. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when I was, when I was watching that, that that kind of, not in terms of the story, but the vibe kind Definitely, of reminded yeah. me a, a little bit of this. Yeah. And it, we, we had kind of like, in the, the sort of mid-noughties, there was a whole fucking wave of these, um, you know, essentially like backpacking um, gap. Backpacking you know, goes wrong, yeah. yeah. Yeah, movies where you had a lot of Paradise Lost and stuff Paradise like that. Lost, yeah, yeah. Um, Hostel even, and, yeah. and this was kind of like the one where it's really low budget and it's it, it kind of went away and landed and didn't happen. It had the guy from fucking Euro Trip in it, um, but I also remember him being really good in it and really menacing in it. And so, yes, I thought, you know what? More people need to see this. How do I get more people to see it? Well, I know I get at least two other people to see it. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I... Excellent. I I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, As I tend to do, I intentionally didn't read the synopsis. Um, 
we've not done one of these shows for quite a while, but you actually gifted me this a real long time ago. And I think you'd, I think you'd kind of forgotten that you did as well. Hadn't you? Yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's been in my iTunes just floating about there and I've intentionally not touched it because we hadn't made any plans. Um, so I didn't want to watch it and then us not get around to it, to doing a show for, for a, a number of weeks and we forget it. So I've intentionally not touched it, but I've intentionally not read the synopsis. Um, I didn't, recognize anybody in it um i uh, when it started i quickly renamed the film in my head steve McManaman the gap year Uh, (laughs) yeah but it's it starts off with a a very sort of specific tone it's a very and it starts off with a very specific tone so that you know so you know that that tone is going to shift it's um uh, you know, a real sort of open sense of adventure, uh, life on the open road, young man with a smile, uh, going on an adventure. It, it's, um, it's got a really nice, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> really nice, um, music to start off with. It opens with a song, uh, called choir by a bloke named Malcolm Middleton, Middleton, which reflects that, sort of very hopeful open road sensibility. Um, the rest of the soundtrack actually does have a sort of strong noughties vibe about it. Very soft acoustic indie rock. I think I am clue are on there as well, who I think are a Manchester band actually, but they are indeed seem, yeah, seem to have disappeared off, uh, off the face of the planet a little bit. They were, they were quite hot shit for a while. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a really nice, Pleasant opening. Um, you see in a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, you see in a lot of um, uh, nice touristy looking stuff, and, and a guy sort of looking around and trying to sort of um, find his way around. Um, and I think that sort of pleasant opening really help things. Helps things. Um, you you do sort of get on board very quickly with Steve McManaman. Um, played by Sean Evans. And it just feels like he's headed out into the un- <coughs> headed out into the unknown and you don't really know why. And then he sort of stumbles across a um apparently a fellow traveller, uh, a lad named Taylor, uh, played by Scott Melkowitz. What did you say he was in? Uh, he was he was in Euro Trip. Is he fucking Scotty in Euro Trip? He's Scotty in, in Euro Trip. Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he comes across as being a little bit more of a seasoned traveller. You can tell he's been he's been knocking about for a while. Um, and I think the moment that he sits down on the step next to um, Sean Evans' character, you, you sort of know straight away um, that, that something is up. I think, for me, being a fan of a certain type of genre of film, which I'll come to in a minute, it... it, it it, it, you know, the, a red flag was raised straight away. Um, and the two are introduced to each other. They go out drinking. And shortly after you learn that Alex, um, the Steve McManaman character, is is actually following up his girlfriend, Sophie, who headed out there a little bit earlier. He had to stay home and, and finish off a job that he was <coughs> working out, whereas she went out there straight away. Um and I think that's the first of some initially very sort of intentional seeds of doubt that it started. It starts to place on you. Um, 
you start to sort of think, well, is this a relationship that's on the rocks? Is it a case of maybe his girlfriend wanted to strike out on her own um, and he maybe he isn't expected? Um, they then follow that up when he when when he does sort of meet up with her. She's sharing a bunk with another person, but it turns out to be a girl, which is totally platonic, maybe, probably. We don't know. Um so it just sort of starts by by sort of wrong-footing you a little bit and making you question what everybody's doing there. And by this time, Taylor has sort of attached himself to Alex, which seems to sort of emphasise that the points that, you know, this guy isn't all he seems and actually what's he really up to. Um, he's very keen to tag along with Alex, particularly when he finds out that he has a girlfriend, Sophie, and that he's meeting her. Um, he takes a photograph of Alex asleep with some other girl after they go out drinking one night. And then in hindsight, you start to think, well, hang on a minute. Was it, was it this guy that was buying all the shots? And you see a bunch of other polarized that he has and you see him walk over to a bin when they meet Sophie and, you know, in inverted commas, throw away the photograph. But you know, because you don't see the photograph go in the bin, you're like, okay, well, he's not throwing the photograph away. Um, and then from there, it sort of it, it gets more into uh, what's this guy up to? What's this guy doing? Um, he starts to look a little bit too long at Sophie's arse a little bit more. Uh, and that starts to get picked up on by Alex. Um, and yeah, by, by that point, you know, I'd say by the end of the first act, you've it's established that this is what I would call a sort of a film in the, the creepy outsider subgenre, um, yeah. which is a, a, a subgenre that I am very much a fan of. Um, it's kind of in the tradition of yeah, a lot of 90s thrillers, stuff like Stepfather, Hamlet Rocks the Cradle, Pacific Heights, Single White Female, where you've got maybe a couple or a family or, um, you know, and, and there's this sort of extra person that's introduced that upsets the apple cart. And, and at first they seem friendly, but then one person starts to notice the signs and the, the other person doesn't notice the signs and, and, and you as the audience are, are screaming, just fucking get away from them. Uh, you know, so I love that type of stuff because it, it, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Um, hate the fact that this guy is there but i can't stop watching it because i know that he's 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 the creepy outsider and he's trying to fuck this relationship up ship up um so as soon as i <coughs> excuse me as soon as i realized that it was that sort of film um i was very much on board with it and i think a, a sort of uh, a light went on in my head and i was like, all right this is why mark's uh sent it to me um but obviously this time it's got the sort of outback road trip or road movie gap year kind of vibe to it, which is a nice change up and a nice sort of addition to that, that subgenre, if you like. Um, I think the thing I liked about it most is that it, across the three acts, it, it, it sets out with that with that really nice opening. You start to get the sort of creeping suspicions, and you notice a couple of things. I think in the first act that maybe Alex isn't picking up on. The second act, you're sort of into much more traditional, creepy outsider territory where Alex is starting to notice the things about Taylor, and his girlfriend maybe isn't. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
Well, I think it's it's the third act that where it all comes to a head, as as these things always do, um, where it does a couple of things which you don't expect. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you know. First of all, obviously, it, it there is the the the, the point that. Alex isn't the hero of this story necessarily at that point. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily think that first of all, Sophie was going to fall for Taylor's tricks and kiss him, let alone fuck him. But she does. Um, I didn't know if Alex had been tricked into going home. I, I think, I think, I think when Alex went and the film then s- focused on, Sophie and Taylor, uh, I think at that point, I thought that he'd somehow convinced Alex to go. I didn't. Uh, and then Alex was going to come back at the end and, you know, and, and kill him or whatever. Yeah, uh, because like, I, I thought Taylor had done something with him. Yeah. But I didn't think he'd done that. No, I did not. I'm, I'm glad you said that actually, because when it happened, I felt a bit stupid. But no, no, no. He falls out of the back of the car. I was a bit like, "Oh fuck! All right, okay." Um, and yeah, and then and then that final act, it's 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 Final Girl, and we, we've we've sort of switched genres a little bit. It's not a thriller anymore. It's a it's you know it's a it's a horror movie. Um, there's a bit of gore thrown in there as well. There's that a shit's fucking rank as it, well. It's, it's raw as well because it looks like it fucking really hurts. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, that's another sort of trope of the. I, I've seen that before, and I can't put my finger on where where you sort of, you know, the the creepy outsider in the last act is sort of fighting through. Uh, being stabbed and, and stuff like that because they're just so desperate to you know to to to, to be loved almost you know I, I love that um, and and the other thing was and I mentioned this very briefly on WhatsApp before I only realised today before this podcast that he fucking killed Ingrid as well that's why he knew she didn't have a phone yeah, yeah. I didn't even cl- I didn't even figure that out because obviously. At some point, so Ingrid is the friend that's in bed with Sophie when 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 they meet up with her, and then it, at some point when the, they all decide to travel together, they wake up the next day and Alex says, "Oh, Ingrid's gone. She had to go and do this or whatever." And then later on in the film, when Sophie pretends that she got a text message off Ingrid, he says, "That's bullshit because Ingrid didn't have a phone." <coughs> And I did not clock at all that, that he'd that he'd that he'd killed Ingrid, but yeah. Um so yeah, it worked beautifully for me. I was I was really into it. A, a perfect length for a film, um, a perfect genre, but with enough uh sorry, a perfect subgenre that I really love, but with enough different about it to make it uh, more interesting, a different setting, a different third act a little bit. Um I had a great time with it. I would watch films like this all the time if more of them existed. So if if anybody knows of more films like this, like The Guardian, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Stepfather, Pacific Heights, that type of thing, uh, some of them I may have seen, but if anybody else knows of more of these things, I, I will watch this type of film all day. Uh, so uh, definitely a winner. Okay. Oh, I could. 
it's like the gaslighting element of like the second act of this film, which really stuck out for me. Like it just, there's like a half hour section where everything Taylor is doing is so fucking calculated. Mm. And it just like, it is like, you are just thinking, don't fall for that shit. Just don't, just no, yeah. no, no, no. Like when, when he gets him, when he gets him absolutely fucking hammered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The best one for the best one for me, and this has just popped into my head now. There's one little moment where Taylor is sorry, where Alex is um, really struggling because Taylor's basically been poisoning him, uh, poisoning the water, um, and they're in the bar next door. And they're sat there talking. Yeah. And uh, Alex walks in, and Taylor sees him, and he sort of goes, "Ah, my finger, yeah. like that, oh, it's my hand." And she's like, "Oh, what is it?" And, she, and he's like, "Oh, it's just my hand's been burning since the accident." And, he, and she grabs his hand, and I'm like, "Oh, you fucking bastard!" Yeah. <laughs> it just works so well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a bastard. And and even you know even before all that, before it's even before the really bad stuff has started to happen, you're looking at Taylor and you're looking at poor old Steve McManaman faced Alex. And you're just like, I'm sorry, but Taylor's a really good looking guy compared to you, Alex. This is only a matter of time. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I mean, I, I will say I, I was quite, I was surprised that she fucked him as well. Cause yeah, it did seem out of character, but they had pushed her, I think, as far as she was going to go. But it, like, it did, I suppose it kind of like, it was almost an in the heat of the moment kind of thing. Cause there's that shot when she starts kissing him and whatnot. And then like, she's just kind of like staring out into she's space. She's looking over kissing her. Yeah. And yeah. you know, so it is a bit like, okay, fine. This is a bit of a, almost like revenge fuck or something um yeah it is almost like she regrets it before it's even happened yeah Yeah. she's regretting it as she's while it's yeah as she's kissing she's going i really don't want to do this but i also don't want to now not do it Mm. yeah yeah um that's the thing i mean i thought it was really interesting because all the way through it's alex trying to hide this thing and I thought it was, I didn't expect him to kind of come out with it. Just like, he's going to show you a photo. Like, I, I didn't think that was going to, that was going to happen. And he, he, and then you're thinking, well, like, is he going to redeem himself? And is it just, is it going to be bad boyfriend redeems himself and saves the girl in the end? It's like, no, bad boyfriend's going to be murdered. Bad boyfriend's dead. <laughs> and, you know, and, and now girl has to like, like basically face this fucking psychopath alone. Um, that's the, like the first, the, yeah, I, there's a lot of shit in this film that really, really like sticks in your mind. It, it, mm. It's it's a bloody interesting piece of work. And I think the point you raise there about, uh, you know, the moment that they, the moment that she kisses him <clears throat> and the fact that you can see that she's immediately regretting it, as you put it, Mark, the way she sort of goes, I don't want to do this, but I also don't want to not do this now that just shows you that actually there's a, there's a very dark element behind this bad guy, behind the Taylor character that isn't just, you know, oh, he's a bit creepy or, oh, he's a stalker or, oh, he just wants to fuck. Like, it, that's a, I mean, that's a very 
dark bad guy that that's you know there's something much more sinister there that he effectively manipulates her to the point where she's kind of she's i don't want to say being raped but like it's not far off if if, you know what i mean it's kind of a mental like yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it's like a psychological rape going on or something it's yeah even though his whole kind of his whole ethic seems to be quite moral though it's like he almost turns on alex immediately like inside when he discovers that he's got a girlfriend and that's that one scene where taylor wakes him up and it's just like you shouldn't cheat on people you shouldn't do that yeah. and it's almost like he just gets into his head i am the right one for her because you're not and that it, it, it's almost like this really yeah. black and white way of looking at things yeah, yeah. And, and that well, sort of answers the, also the, the the bit where the, the big woman um starts what is it costing him and at that point you're thinking it really he could just deny and say she's just got me confused she's fucking drunk or whatever but he doesn't he goes to um he, he discusses it with uh sophie and says you know yeah and i, I did some shitty to a friend because i was a, i was a, i was a dick back then and he, he's there he's kind of he's already kind of saying look he's showing himself as somebody who has a redemptive art to him uh already there which kind of like he could quite easily just lie about it but he doesn't and it's all part of like you say he's every movie he makes is about manipulating a situation it's completely sociopathic everything yeah. that he's doing he has no reason to do it other than the fact that he knows he can so how do you think base so bear in mind what Ian just mentioned there about um you know the fact that he sees himself as being the the one for Sophie that Al, that um that Alex is not bearing that in mind and bearing in mind what you just said about the fact that he um everything he does is calculated how do we read the reaction to waking up while they're having sex and what he does from there was that a play, or was that him? Was was he genuinely angry there? No, I, gen- I think that was his true self coming out there because it's like yeah. he almost he kind of like he plays Did it he down let the quite mask quickly. Slip a little bit yeah. There? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah. There's a possibility that, that yeah, that that's it. I think it's he he, he. he. I think he loses control of the situation there because he's not in control of that situation. But then he comes back and very quickly grabs control of it again. Yeah. And, and, and plays himself as being, you know, quickly sort of apologises and says, you know, you guys weren't wrong. I was wrong to put you in that situation. And he very quickly becomes the bigger person again, straight away, by saying to them, look, I'm sorry. And I put that while they're going, shit, we shouldn't have fucking done that. That was a dick move. We, we shouldn't have done that. And he's being really cool about it. And he feels bad about it. And we should feel bad. And again, it's just playing the situation to his own advantage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As as weird as it sounds, it's it's one of those films where I, I, when I was watching it, um, there's a there's a song where I think it's either within the bar or in one of the cafes, and there's a two gallant song playing in the background, and two gallants were like a very and a still are, and I mean they're on a hiatus at the moment, but they're a, a very sort of like nobody, hardly anybody fucking knows who they are at all band that at the time I was quite heavily into and actually in 2007 when this movie came out I actually went to see Two Gallants at the night and day in Manchester oh, um, yeah. 
I've it's, played there. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it's one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Um, well, that's because you didn't come and see me at the night and day, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> that would be better. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where you're going, all right, I, I, this is getting a little bit more from me. I've got a little more interest because literally you're playing a band that I really fucking like that you don't expect to hear. It's like when you hear like music from FIFA in a, in a real life situation, you go, what the fuck's going on? It was kind of that. Yeah, I think over another thing that I, that I kind of liked about it is, um, you know, going back to the Polaroids, when you know what you know about the film as it goes on, you can remember things that happened previously. So like I say, first of all, like thinking about Ingrid, I think it was Ingrid, her name, um, and that's why he knew that she didn't have a phone. You can go back and think about things that happened in the film with the knowledge that you've got by the end of the film. And another one of those things is the Polaroids. So all of a sudden, what was a bunch of Polaroids with one in there that affected the story, you start to think, what else was in those Polaroids? Who else was in those Polaroids? What was the situations that he used those Polaroids for? Are there a number of other dead people in those Polaroids? Oh, hell yeah, there are. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. how many? Are they all people that he killed? Or like, you know, so little things like that that just kind of elevate this and, and make you think a little bit more about it in hindsight. You know, films that films that allow you to think a little bit more on them after the fact um, don't come around very often these days. And um, it's, it's nice to see one in in kind of a not a mega budget film that just sort of passed by everybody's radar and you sort of see it and go shit more people should see this so yeah that's nice good excellent so um 100 i would pay it forward i think as always there is a little bit of a caveat Hi, Monkey, love you. oh no, no, Latte. Um, hello Sorry, <laughs> oh shit i'm on a yeah <laughs> Why did I do that? I meant to mute the mic, not turn on my camera. That's so glad you're not naked right now. Or maybe I'm wishing that you were. Um, so yeah, I was just I was just saying that um, more people should see it. Uh, there's always a, a caveat of I would play it forward, but to the right person. I think um, in this case, I think this would be suitable for quite a lot of people. Actually, I think this is the type of film that you could. If you had the in-laws over, you could probably stick this on and they'd get into it. It's not... You, you, got, you got more interesting in-laws than I do. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tense thriller with a relationship at the start of it. It's enough for, it's enough for your mother-in-law to be screaming at the, screen, at the screen and going, oh, don't trust him and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's quite broad. Yeah, it's a sort of film where... where all it needs to, all it needs now is to land on Netflix or Prime. Yeah, it, it, a, a lot of people might start to go. Oh, that was, you know, that, it, it's one of the, you know, it's going to appear on a lot of lists of the best psychological thrillers of two thousand sixty of two thousand the two thousands that you've never seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I tell you what had a, a moment like that a few years back. What's the ah uh, shit? What's it called? The one where um, let's see if I can try and find it. 
the one with Kurt Russell, where Kurt Russell is it called Breakdown? Breakdown, yeah. Yeah. Breakdown. So I, I Breakdown. Seeing, yeah. I remember seeing Breakdown. Breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I saw Breakdown years ago on Sky Movies. Um, and I remember I watched it in a house that I was living uh, with, a, with a couple of friends and we all watched it because there was nothing else on. And we were like, fucking hell, that's a brilliant film. Why do people not know about that? And yeah. then maybe about 10 years later, all of a sudden a few articles started popping up about Breakdown. Um, yeah, this could absolutely be one of those films, I think. I, I, I'm going to rent in Breakdown on VHS. Nice. So... Definitely. I, I pay it forward. Uh, happy to have it in my collection and happy to recommend it to others. Um, so, yeah, from there, that is, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, uh, quickly, it, what, what, one bit we did forget to do uh, for, for mine, so I'll let you do yours first. What, oh, does, yeah, no. what does Gone sit in between on your iTunes library? <laughs> me? Yeah. Uh, it sits between, because I sent you the image yesterday, let's see if I can find that. Uh, it sits between. Oh God! <laughs> Everything seems to sit. He's just uh, carbuncle. It sits between the Greasy Strangler and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Ah, nice. Uh, well, my also favorite... semi-adjacent to Goosebumps as well. He don't like this. Um, the Great Beauty. <laughs> it's, to the right of it is the Great Dictator. Yep. You know, classic silent movie, Charlie Chaplin. You know, wasn't regarded as, 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 as you know one of the great silent movies of all time. And then to its left is uh, a good old fashioned orgy. Nice. You know what? I, I just got that completely wrong because I was talking about the um, the image that I sent you of the great beauty. The great beauty sits between the Greasy Strangler and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Gone sits between Ghost in the Shell and Goosebumps. Oh, that weirdly, uh, Gone for me sits in between Ghost in the Shell, but the animated version and Gone uh, Girl. And Gone Girl, yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. And we know which of those films gets replayed the most in your house. Yes, it is. Uh, all right, so uh, two big hitters there, two popular uh, choices, I think. Um, and now we move on to. Ian's choice, which I have gifted for you. So, um, Ian, as uh, we finished out the year last year, I uh, had I talked a little bit about Lucky on on uh, what we watched. On I can't remember what film it was I was on before, but um, I'd mentioned Lucky, and you mentioned at the time that you really wanted to see it. Yeah. And then, for whatever reason, uh, the year ended. And you did your end of year film review um, in January. And you mentioned on that show that you hadn't seen it because Mark and Becky had it featured in their <coughs> top tens, did it? Oh, yeah. Did you, did, yeah, did it did, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that film ended up scoring quite highly on the uh, the film Bastards top 10 of 2018. And you were the only person who hadn't seen it. So. Yeah. It was an absolute no-brainer to send you a copy of it, frankly. Um, so that was my very straight-up and obvious reasons for picking it. Um, I adored it, as I mentioned to you at the time. Uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, I um, 
I, I very much liked it. I'll, I'll, I will be honest, it wouldn't have been in my top 10 last year, but I don't begrudge it being in anybody's, to be honest. It's, um, it's a lovely farewell to Harry Dean Stanton. Um, I mean, the, the, that smile he gives to the camera at the end, like it just, it, 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 it I don't know. It, it's, heartwarming but it's I, I found it also quite chilling because it's almost like he knew what it represented because mm. um, I think he knew he was kind of on his way out yeah he, he, he very much knew he was he was dying the the, <laughs> the, the scene where he or he you know he kind of breaks down and says I don't want to die yeah uh, um, that literally is not in the scripts that was just Harry Dean Stanton apparently yeah. Okay. I I would believe that. Um, I it, but I mean for for all of that though, there's also just a lot of warmth in it. I, that scene where he impromptuly starts singing um, it at the uh, kids' birthday party is lovely. Um, the kind of like the showdown that he has at the end with Beth Grant. All, like basically all about smoking in the bar um, and how that plays out is great. Um, and I really liked his, his kind of like his relationship in the couple of scenes he has with Ron Livingston as well. Um, and shit, man. I mean, like Harry Dean Stanton and Tom Skerritt together on screen again. It's uh, as if, a, you know, as if Alien was only a year ago. It's, it's great. Um, it, I don't know. It, 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 I suppose it's it spells slightly wore off for me in moments, but I still really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it just it 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 feels like a, a bit of a hug of a film, mm. but with a I, I and I suppose that, that yeah, that's the way I describe it. I. You know, it just, it's, it's short, it does its thing, it knows not to take up too much of your time, but it, it kind of, it leaves a bit of a dent on you as well. Um, and shit, it's got David Lynch looking for a turtle, tortoise. or a tortoise, I should say. Um, yeah, I liked it. I, I don't know whether I have an awful lot to say about it, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, which I feel bad about because we've had two really good discussions on the other two films, but um, I just I, I enjoyed it. Good stuff. And the uh, the one thing that I was keen to get your opinion on the uh, the final shot. Yes. Of the tortoise. Yeah, great. Because uh, I think, <laughs> to be honest, the last um, that last moment, I was. I, I wouldn't say I was in tears, but I was sort of, you know, I was a bit red-eyed and a bit emotional and a bit sort of like, fucking hell, that film made me feel really good, but I'm I'm sort of tinged with sadness as well. And then David Lynch's tortoise just walks across the screen and I was like, I just sort of burst into that semi-crying, semi-laughing sort of like... <laughs> sort of like it just really made the film for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I said about it before. You know, it, 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 I, you're absolutely right on that. It, it does feel like a, like a warm kind of hug in the sense that you're just spending a bit of time with this guy. 
who just seems like a lovely guy, <laughs> you know, at this point in his life. But you get the idea that he's not always been a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the, the, the tortoise bit, David Lynch explaining the that he was letting um, President... Was it, is it President Roosevelt? Roosevelt, yeah. 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 Um, go off at the fact that he constantly refers to him as President Roosevelt <laughs> is... It's wonderful. It's just an absolutely I, lovely film. I, I I really liked when he's saying like I left the gate open to go down to the mailbox, and that the other person's just like, "What's your mailbox in Europe?" Like, I just, <laughs> it's just it's fucking like just the, that, that line reading is is fucking fantastic. It, it yeah, um, and I really like the uh, the scene with uh, Ed Be- Ed Begley Junior as well. Where it's just like you're in really good health. It's like, well, what's wrong with me then? It's just, you're old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's the way it lingers on even just, you know, scenes of Harry Dean Stanton sort of waking up and doing exercises and getting ready. And you just sort of, it's so easy. It's so easy to just watch this guy who you've known for years and years and years. And he's popped up in so many films and so many of your favorite films and now you know that he's not around anymore and, you know, he's led this this long life and anything that you read about him makes him seem like a very specific kind of guy, a very sort of <clears throat> genuine and sort of quite straightforward kind of guy. So to just see him in the last days of his life, as it appears on screen, um, it's just... You know, it, it feels like you've been let into something a little bit. And, and as a film, you could potentially criticise that and you could say that maybe the, the the filmmakers have lent on that a little bit and is that exploitative or, or, or what? I don't know. And is is a large portion of the emotion that you have for this film, the fact that Harry Dean Stanton is dead and these are and, the, and this is the last chance you'll get to see him? I know it's not the very last film that he did, but it's it's... Apparently, the second to last film that he did, but this feels much more like a sort of you know a goodbye. So you could sort of say, well, is that a little bit exploitative, and 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 st- is the quality of the film purely that situation? Um, but to me, it doesn't really matter. Like he just, you know, I got to spend ninety minutes with Harry Dean Stanton and sort of see him off a little bit, and and I don't know Harry Dean Stanton obviously, but. Uh, you you feel certain attachments to certain actors, especially actors that have you know been around longer than than you have and have, have popped up in all these films. So I just I appreciated it on that level, um, and I think he is you know it's a nice film and it's a warm film and he comes across as nice and somebody that you'd that you'd want to want to know. But also there's a curmudgeonly side to him and a, and the mystery of what happened. Uh, at that venue all the way through that sort of, you know, oh, you, yeah. the completion of that at the end. Um, I just, I had such a good time with it. I really did. <coughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, I, I, I would definitely play it forward like 100%. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. I, it just, it's really fucking sad that he's gone. I mean, I know he was he was old and, you know, he lived a fucking life. Um, and it seems like he was a person who just did things on his own terms. But he also rocks up for 30 seconds in the Avengers for yeah. no reason whatsoever, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
uh, yeah, I would definitely play it for. Just it, it, it's a lovely film. I'd like to see John Carroll Lynch do some more as well. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's a good hey that guy, and it's good to see him actually making stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned the Avengers thing as well because you know that situations like that, when you know, probably a lot of the time that Harry Dean Stanton when he's popped up in things, it's because somebody on the crew maybe knows him, and the director finds out. And they maybe pull them aside and they go, do you know Harry Dean Stanton? And they're like, yeah. And like, do you think we could get him down here for a day? Well, I'll ask him. And he might say, well, yeah, go and ask him. You know, it just seems like that sort of thing. It's everybody respects him in film and everybody knows him and everybody sort of grew up with him. So, mm. um, yeah, lovely. Excellent. Um, as well, in our house, the, um, there's a line that he has in um, Twin Beats Firewalk with me. Uh, where he plays Carl in it, um, and it's when they go to the first time they want to look round uh, Laura Palmer's, uh, not uh, Theresa Palmer's um, trailer, um, Theresa Banks sorry trailer, and he's like, and he's line that he gives there is just more shit I've got to do. <laughs> and literally, there isn't a day goes by that me and Becky don't say that at one point to each other. When, when <laughs> says, oh, can you blah 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 today? And it's like. More shit I've got to do <laughs> every day. That what is it? To the point of where I'm considering getting it tattooed on me somewhere. That's that fantastic. Fitting. I might steal that. That's brilliant. Not the tattoo, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it's, it's, it's constant. That's just more shit I've got to do. Yeah, every day. Great. Great. So uh, three pay it forwards then. Uh, that's three pay it forwards and zero greasy strang. I think we should have that as a <laughs> yeah, that's as fine. A category. <laughs> that's fine. Sorry, can you live with that, Ian? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> three pay it forwards and zero greasy stranglers. Um, excellent. Uh, so yeah. So for the next show then, um, it's a a double dealing triple bill. It's um, Junior Double Jeopardy as Cuba Gooding Jr. and Clifton Collins Jr. work with corrupt cops in 2005's Dirty, which is yes. my gift. That looks Art. fucking amazing. Yeah. I, 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 I am very much looking forward to this. And also at the same time, I'm angry that I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I'm, I've, not, I've not even seen a trailer for it either. I purely... Like I, this is kind of a it's a semi selfish one where it's a bit like I know Mark will dig this I know Ian will dig this but I know I'll dig it as well so uh, it's semi selfish. David and Wycliffe genre. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yes. God, of course, Cole houses in it. So that could uh, that could be interesting. Uh, it's also Bon Jovi lyrics at the ready as Gary Oldman is a corrupt cop in 1993's Romeo is Bleeding, which oh. is Mark's gift. To Ian, yeah, which which, which uh, as I this say on WhatsApp contains the greatest removing of a shoe in cinematic history. Yeah, that that comment was fascinating. I forgot to reply to that. Honestly, when it happens, you'll go, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> I have no idea how I've not seen a 1993 Gary Oldman starring post Tarantino film like this, like. It feels like exactly the type of film that I, you know, is this kind of in the sort of Killing Zoe era of of sort of independent, yeah, violent, 
that that means <coughs> mass seduction. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Olin in this gives possibly one of my five favourite performances by an actress of all time. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so there's that, and then and then finally, it's bring on Barry Seal as uh, Tom Cruise and female co-star number fifty-eight do shady drug deals in American Made, and that's Ian's gift to me. So um, three rather different films, all with a, an action slant and a, a little bit of double dealing. Uh, looking forward to that. So until then, oh, one other that. thing. Go on. No, can you pick a number between one and three, please? I would love to, and I would like to pick number three. For the next patron pick, which I'm hoping we can do next week, yep. Jordan McGrath. Ah. Never heard of him. Um, has picked Johnny Guitar. Johnny Guitar, nice. Johnny Guitar. Is that the Michael Keaton? Is that the comedy? I need to look it up because I don't know what it is. Wait, Hang on. Isn't there two versions of Johnny Guitar? Right, we're going to need to get some clarification on whether he's talking about the 1954 Joan Crawford star- starring Johnny Guitar or another one. Yeah, knowing Jordan, it's the 1954 one. Yeah, knowing <laughs> Jordan, it is. <laughs> what? what when's the, what's the other one then? Show's another one. What am I thinking of when I think Johnny Guitar and Michael Keaton? I'm thinking of something else. Thinking of, uh, oh, I'm thinking of Johnny Dangerously. Um, yeah, am I thinking of that as well? I'm yeah, nineteen sure he said Johnny Guitar. I gotta go back now. Yeah, it's the yeah, nineteen fifty four one, isn't it? That he yeah, wants nineteen fifty four with the John Crawford one. I'm guessing. Fab. Okay, so uh, and it's very annoying because he said Johnny Guitar or the Long Goodbye, whichever you haven't seen yet. I'd fucking love to rewatch The Long Goodbye, but he said if I haven't seen it, so never mind. Johnny Guitar. He pays the bill, he sets the rules. That's true. Okay, Grant, that's our show then. Um, follow at Film Bastards, at Dude Foz, at Ian Loring, and at The Noel Meller. Uh, if you'll indulge me for a second, go and download my podcast, Beyond the Neon, by searching for Beyond the Neon on your podcast app, or just go into beyondtheneon.co.uk new show will be up in the next few days probably as you're listening to this and it's all about high concept movies and film marketing in the 1980s um, so go get that and if you don't like free podcasts uh, visit patreon.com slash filmbastards where you can download a supercut of all my coughing and wheezing from tonight's show uh, which Ian has kindly agreed to edit together for us um, so that's it anything else to say gentlemen I cannot confirm what was said in the last 20 seconds as being true. Uh, the, but by the time you listen to this, you, you'll, have, you'll, you'll have noticed that Oscar Bation is out there. Um, and also, hopefully, um, mine and Becky's first Patreon show uh, will, be, will be up and available as well. Oh, oh fucking gosh. hell. And what are we doing for the show next week? Uh, Serenity? Oh, we're doing Serenity, right, okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah, we are. What is Serenity? I'm so looking forward to Serenity for the fact that so many people are going, this film is mental and it's shit, which basically means that they're going, oh, you rang, did you? 
Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway oh, film that yeah. is going to be it, it's like one of those Sky Cinema ones where it will be on Now TV from tomorrow yeah oh wow this looks like a sort of this looks like a 90s thriller Excellent. it does look like a 90s thriller <laughs> yeah apparently check this out it's got a twist about halfway through it where you go oh fuck off and that, that, that is the point where I think I'm going to go oh hello Okay, cool. All right, then. Fab. I'm going to get to that. All right, then. Uh, let's bail. Uh, good night, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. I believe in the hallelujah chorus of the shopping malls. We say we can't, we know we shan't. Well, of course we shall, because I've seen, I believe. Forever something which is incomplete. We trade ourselves for nothings in words of our conceits. I have seen, now I believe. The ceaseless, seamless strain of your heart one day cause itself to make a start with me. Nothing's the words rock and seat.